0: Three. So Taught us to love one another. His law is love and his gospel is peace. Change shall he break for the slave. Sweet hymns of joy in grateful chorus. i you Christ was born.
1: Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Ray Greenley, the National Prayer Chapel. Mark the Eighth Chapter. Who do you say I am? Peter answered. You are the Christ. He then began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, be rejected by the elders and the chief priests, the teachers of the law, that he must be killed. And after three days, rise again. He spoke plainly about this. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. But when Jesus turned and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter. Get behind me, Satan. He said, You don't have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Then he called the crowd to him, along with his disciples, and he said, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself, take up his cross. And follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? Or what can a man give in exchange for his soul? If anyone is ashamed of me and my words and this adulterous, sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his Father's glory with his holy angels. Peter could say in one moment, you are the Christ. You are the Messiah. You are the Son of the living God. You are God. And in the next moment, he can take God aside and rebuke him. And Jesus says, you don't have in mind the things of God but the things of men. So it's clear that, that Peter... At this point, at almost the end of the ministry of Jesus, Peter still has not taken up his cross. He still hasn't denied himself. He's a double-minded man. One moment he is utterly given and would defend Jesus to the very death. And the next moment, He's rebuking Jesus and saying, you can't do that. If you look at Romans, the sixth chapter. Romans, the sixth chapter. I want to look at verse six. Paul says, for we know that our old self, that's what Peter is dealing with. He's dealing with the old self. He was crucified, for we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be sinners or slaves to sin because anyone who has died has been freed from sin. Peter hadn't died yet. Peter was still pulled in two directions. He was a divided man, and yet he was deeply loved by Jesus. The Lord treasured him. Now, Jesus. Has to settle a dispute among the disciples. We find this in Luke, 22nd chapter, verse 24. A dispute arose among them as to which of them would be considered the greatest. They believed that Jesus was organizing a government, and they all wanted to be the vice president. They wanted power. Jesus said to them, the kings of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who exercise authority over them call themselves benefactors. Oh, we're here to help you. The government says we're here to help you. But they're never here to help us. They're here to take from us. But you are not to be like that. Instead, the greatest among you should be like the youngest and the one who rules like the one who serves. For who is greater? The one who is at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who's at the table? But I'm among you as the one who serves. You are those who have stood by in my trials. And I confer on you a kingdom, just as my father conferred one on me, so that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on those thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now, that's an astounding statement. He wants to confer a kingdom on a man who is divided, A man who has not yet been crucified with Christ. A man who is still very much alive. Very much full of himself. And then he says in verse 31, Simon, he doesn't doesn't call him Peter, Simon, Simon. Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. But I've prayed for you, Simon, that your faith may not fail. And when you've turned back, strengthen your brothers. In other words, Peter, I've prayed for you, and you're going to come through this ordeal. You're going to be born again. You're going to be changed Lord, he replied, I'm I'm ready to go with you to prison. I'm ready to die with you. Jesus answered, I tell you, Peter, before the rooster crows today, you will deny me three times. You'll deny that you even know me. So Jesus went out to the Mount of Olives, to the to the crushing grove, to Gethsemane. And he was in anguish and he prayed and he sweat drops of blood. He was in such agony. He went back to Peter and the disciples and they were all asleep. They were exhausted from sorrow. They'd been through the ringer. Peter has not yet been crucified with Christ. He was only halfway there. He was still a man of the flesh. He was still a man who thought he could tell God what was right and wrong. He was arrogant. He was proud. He was full of Peter. Satan has asked to sift him. God will will do anything he needs to do to help us in the transition, in the crucifixion. Many of you, I know, are still not crucified with Christ. You're very religious. But you haven't had the publican experience of beating on your chest and saying, Oh God, I'm a sinner. I finally see it. Instead, proud and contemptuous of others. We think we're something. And if we had an opportunity, we would be like Peter, even trying to correct Jesus. Well, it started. They seized Jesus and they led him away to the house of the high priest. And Peter and John, they were following at a distance. It was a cold night and some of the some of the men built probably a barrel fire in the middle of the courtyard and the men sat around that fire to warm themselves and peter sat down with them now you know peter's in trouble as soon as we sit down with the crowd of the ungodly, as soon as we sit down with with those who would accuse Jesus, as soon as we sit down with the enemies of our Lord Jesus, we're in trouble. This husky, strong fisherman, businessman, There was a little girl there, a servant girl. And in the fire, he was close enough she could see his face. She took a second look at him and she said, This man was with him. But Peter denied it. I don't know him. I don't know this man. A little later someone else saw him and they said you're also one of them you're one of them them ones man I'm not Peter replied I'm not one of them about an hour later I mean do you see what's happened Peter sees that Jesus is going to be crucified, and it's the end of the journey. He has followed Jesus for three years. He has given up his fishing business. He has wandered through Judea and Galilee, sleeping at night many times outside. For the last week, they've been sleeping outside in the Garden of Gethsemane. been hard. And now Peter is recognizing that he needs to get back into a safe position with with the people that are respected. So about an hour later, another person said, certainly this fellow was with them for he's a Galilean. Galileans didn't speak like Judeans. They had an accent. Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. And just as he's speaking this denial of Jesus, he hears the rooster crowing for the dawn light. And the Lord turns, and he looks straight at Peter. He looks him in the eye. And then it all comes rushing back to Peter, the word that the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside, and he wept bitterly. Finally, finally. We're beginning to see Peter repent. We're beginning to see Peter absolutely crushed. We're seeing Peter recognize the wickedness of his heart. That the, the man he has identified as God himself, he has denied. He has sided with the enemy. He is a traitor to God all of the years of following Jesus have just gone up in smoke. He doesn't begin to understand how he could have done this. It's the crushing of Peter. It's the crucifixion of Peter. Peter is... Utterly devastated. Now, what I like is that Peter cared enough that he was brought to his senses. Many of us have denied Jesus, and with a smile, we've gone on down the road denied him by our words and our actions pretending that we were part of them I am not part of them oh God give me the courage to not be one of them but a true follower of yours Jesus I woke up this morning and about 5 a.m. before daylight. I was trembling. I don't know why. I was just trembling in bed. I wasn't cold. I was just trembling. I began to have this strange sense that Jesus was pulling me through some kind of doorway into another realm. How do I explain that? I'm shy of even talking about it. But it hasn't gone away. It's only increased as the day has has moved forward. Feeling like something's happening to me. Something good is happening. Jesus comes and takes us wherever we're at. and in this case it was it was Peter in his sin and Jesus has warned him that Satan is going to sift him. In other words, he's going to assay him. He's going to... Weigh him out to see how much is gold and how much is waste. To see how much is grain and how much is chaff. The Lord wants to know. Satan wants to know. Various times in my life, the Lord has come and he's pulled me through to a new place. That's happening now in my life. I'm being pulled into a new place. I don't know what that place will bring yet, but I know a kingdom has been conferred on me and on you. And he's going to take us through whatever he needs to take us through first to have us crucified with him, to be done with sin. And then he's going to begin to bring his presence to draw us through into the Holy Spirit to sit at his right hand now in the kingdom of God, on his throne with him. That's what Ephesians, second chapter, says. Well, Jesus shows up two times after the crucifixion. And they're able to see him and touch him. He eats with them. And then he's gone. And he told them to go to Galilee. He would meet them there. Now, Peter has repented. We're not told what that looked like, except that he wept bitterly. And I know that weeping bitterly is very much a part of of repentance. If you've never wept bitterly over your sin, you probably have not done the full job of repentance when you begin to see the beauty of jesus at least i can all i can do is weep i begin to see his glory i begin to see his majesty i begin to see his holiness i begin to see his love and his compassion for us and all I can do is weep in his presence. There's a difference between weeping and joy because of who Jesus is and weeping over the wickedness of our hearts. The greatest need in the church today is that the church would begin to weep over its wicked compromise because it wants to be a part of them with the entertainment, with the music, with with the smoke in the skinny jeans wants to be accepted by the world. A crushing has to come. But then after that crushing, something else begins to happen. And that's what's been happening to me. I've been crushed over and over and over and over. Wept over and over. Until. Then he came and began to give me very clear direction about what I'm supposed to be doing right now. And I'm doing that. Right now with you, I'm doing it preaching Romans 6, being finished with sin, being raised up, being transformed, being done with this world, being done with them. I don't want to be a part of this world. So here they are. They've been waiting on Jesus and Jesus hasn't shown up. They have bills to pay. They have Peter's married has a, a wife to take care of a, a family. His father, his mother. Says, Let's go fishing, guys. We can wait on Jesus and go fishing and have some money to pay our bills. We've got to cover our expenses. So, Simon, Peter, and Thomas, Nathaniel, James, and John, two of the other disciples, they're all together. And Peter announces, look, guys, I'm going fishing. You can hear him now. I can't sit here and wait day after day. I'm a man of action. I've got to go fishing. I've got to be able to have money to pay for my family. But they all said to Peter, well, no problem, we'll go with you. So they all went out, they fished at night, they got into the boat, and they cast their net time after time after time. and It came up empty. <laughs> You're not surprised, are you? They fished all night and they caught nothing. Now, as the light was just beginning to dawn and it was time to come in, they see Jesus standing on the shore, but they didn't realize it was Jesus, that was just a man and a fire. And he called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? (laughs) No. Throw your net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some fish. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. It's Jesus. And as soon as Simon Peter hears him say it is the Lord, he grabs his outer garment and he jumps into the water with it. The other disciples follow in the boat, towing the net full of fish. They weren't far from shore, about 100 yards. Hey, that's a good swim with your clothes on. When they landed, they pulled their boat up. They saw a fire of burning coals, and and on that fire was fish. They could smell it cooking. And there was also bread there. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you've just caught. He didn't say, hey guys, how are you? Glad to see you this morning. No, no wasted words. Bring some of the fish you have that you've just caught. So Simon Peter climbed aboard and he dragged that net ashore. It was full of of large fish, a hundred and fifty three large fish, but even with so many, the net was not torn. Remember the first time the net tore, but this time the net didn't tear. This was a this was an astonishing miracle. You know they would take the fish to to Magdala, where there was a fish processing plant. they would sell the fish right there fresh alive and then they would in magdala process it and ship it off to primarily to rome jesus said to them come have breakfast nobody dared ask him who are you they knew it was the lord they knew it was jesus so jesus picked up the bread and he broke it, he blessed it, he gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time Jesus had appeared to his disciples after he was raised from the dead. When they'd finished eating, there was a heavy silence, and Jesus turns to Peter and he says, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? And it's clear when you look at it, you read the context, and you you know that the repentance of Peter that's taken place, and Jesus is asking, Do you, agape, will you sacrifice yourself in love for me more than these fish? Some of you are sacrificing everything you have for the fish. And then on the side, you serve Jesus. But you still have a divided heart. You still have not taken up your cross. Oh, life is hard as you pursue your worldly interest, your business, your money, your lifestyle, your support for your family. You work hard, but you still have a divided heart. You love your fish more than you love the people of God. You love the fish, the money, more than you love his kingdom. And you know that because of of how you operate, where your concern is, where your interest is, what captivates you. He answered, "Lord, you know that I follow you. That is, you know that I have such brotherly love for you, such warmth in my heart for you." And Jesus answers. Feed my lambs. In other words, he's saying, be about my business, Peter. Remember, he was promised that he would be made into a fisher of men. Every Christian is called to be a fisher of men. Please hear that. If you're not fishing for men, you are not doing what Jesus has called you to do. Now, how should you fish for men? You may fish for men at the accounting office. You may fish for men in the construction project. You may fish for men in the hospital where you work or in the office where you work, but you will fish for men. But if you want to be one of them... You will not speak about Jesus because you might lose your job and you love your job more than you love Jesus. So the question is really to you today. Do you love Jesus more than you love them? Do you love Jesus more than your fish, more than your job, more than your life? more than your television programs more than your sports your entertainment do you love jesus more than you love your mother or father your children your wife your husband do you love jesus are you willing to sacrifice yourself for jesus more than anything Do you love Jesus more than you love your own life? And if you can't answer a resounding yes to that, you still have not been crucified with Christ, even though you may be very religious. I suspect there's again a period of kind of dead silence. I think everybody's kind of embarrassed. Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? Let's get Peter right to the bottom of this issue. Are you going to deny me again, Peter? He didn't say that, but that was the hidden agenda that was going on. Peter, where do you stand? And he answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He now has made full confession of Jesus. He's now said, look, I'm going to serve you, Jesus. I'm going to be a fisher of men. I love you more than I love these fish. And then Jesus pushes it. Now, please understand, Jesus will always push it. He'll always take you to a level that is beyond, that is beyond and is beyond. Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter's heart is pierced. He's hurt. He knows that he hurt Jesus by denying him, by siding with the enemy, by being a traitor. And Peter is now fully exposed in front of the other disciples. But they have nothing to brag about because they also deserted Jesus. They just didn't deny him. They weren't present. John was present, but he didn't sit down with them. He kept himself separate from them. I love John for that. Peter, do you love me? I want to ask you that question. Are you still having a cynical, angry heart? Are you still double minded? Are you still playing with sin? Are you still pretending you love Jesus, but you love your sin more? How do you stand with Jesus today? Do you love your job more than you love Jesus? Are you willing to witness and testify? in that place of work that Jesus is Lord, even if it costs you your job? Are you willing to not laugh at the dirty jokes? Are you willing to be bold in your love for workmates in caring for them and helping them and serving them? Or do you expect everybody in the office to serve you Jesus came as one who serves, not one who was there to be served. Do you go above and beyond without an attitude for your boss, for your friends, for others? Are you angry that people would put upon you you know all things. You know that I love you. Right now, Jesus knows whether you love him or not. When we have fully repented, when we have wept before the Lord over our sin, when we begin to see his incredible love, when we begin to comprehend the price he paid for us on Calvary, when we begin to see his glory, when we begin to understand that he's coming again very soon for his bride and that we who are alive today, we will see his coming. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. In other words, be totally available for the gospel. Be totally available for Jesus. Don't push him away with your busyness. Don't push him away with your entertainment. Don't push him away with all of your responsibilities. Be available for Jesus to feed his sheep, to care for his lambs to care for his sheep some of you say oh i can't even i can't even go to church it's covid 19 i can't i can't go to church with people wrong the scriptures lay down a very real test of love for jesus and that test is will you assemble yourself with like-minded believers, not just family. That's not church. Church is where there are two or three who gather in the name of Jesus. Has this mask thing scared you? I think it's time to take it off. Are you afraid you'll get sick and die? Or do you believe Psalm 91? Is your life controlled by fear? Then you value your fear and your life more than you value Jesus. Stop it. Enough. Enough. Either you're going to trust Jesus' love and his plan for your life or you're going to make your own plans and set up your own deal. I'm not going to do that. I know I cannot die until Jesus calls me. And I have much work to do before I die. Work he has assigned me And I'm about that work. I am totally given to it. He said, Peter, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and you went where you wanted. But when you're old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. Don't follow the course that is with all the open doors. Don't follow the the them. Don't follow the agenda of the world or the flesh or the devil. Follow me. Very personal. Follow me. Do what I ask you to do. Do what I say to do by by the Holy Spirit. The Lord has told me, preach to the people, my people. Tenderly speak to them. Preach Romans 6. Okay, Lord. I'll preach that you must be crucified. That you must be converted. And that when you are, when you are crucified with Christ, you are finished with sin. And you no longer walk in any known rebellion or sin. You say to me, oh, I'm working on my patience. No, patience don't come by working on them. Patience comes by cutting off impatience. By cutting off sin. By surrendering to Jesus. By following him. Now, Peter. Peter looks around and he sees. He sees John. And he says, Lord, what about what about him? And Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. In other words, Peter, you're not going to follow John. You're not going to follow some charismatic preacher. You're not going to follow Ray Greenlee. You are to follow me, Jesus. Oh, I tell you today. A a believer wrote to me yesterday and said, it's so wonderful to work for Jesus. I affirm that it is wonderful to work for Jesus. Whether you're working in the office or the hospital or the mechanic shop, Wherever you're working, you're working for Jesus if you have been crucified with him and you have given up your life. And now what you desire more than anything else is Jesus. Peter now is a converted man. And now he's going to be waiting in Jerusalem. They're being sent back to Jerusalem, not fishing. They're being sent back to Jerusalem to the upper room where they are to wait for the promised Holy Spirit. For the power, for the dunamis, the dynamite, the power to do the gospel of Jesus. Oh, my brother, my sister, I'm waiting upon the Lord for the power. I can do what he's told me. I can preach Romans 6, but I'm waiting for the power. Because when he sends the power, the preaching that he's told me to do will bring a harvest of righteousness into the hearts and lives of people. And the power of the Spirit will flow. And we will see revival. Now, what about Pastor so and so? What about Mr. so and so or Mrs.? So-and-so? None of my business. All Jesus said was follow me. You must follow me. A command, an order. So I'm not better than anybody. I'm not more important than anybody. I've just been called to follow Jesus. And so have you. Forget about yourself, follow Jesus. Wait on him for the power, and the Holy Spirit will come. Luke, the 11th chapter. God bless you, my brother and my sister. We're out of time for today's broadcast. Tomorrow will be a day of prayer. I'd love to have you join me for that. You can write to me at the National Prayer Chapel post office box 2346 Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. I rejoiced yesterday in the letters that came. Leslie, yours came yesterday. Thank you. Several others came. Thank you. You can also go online and give, and some of you did that as well. Would you go online to nationalprayerchapel.com, upper right hand corner, just click and you can donate online. I love you, my brother my sister. Thank you for walking with me. Thank you for being my brother and sister and praying for me. I still have not found a house. Jesus will find it. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.